Hey guys, Eric here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, before we jump into this episode, I just want to let you know when we recorded it, I was sick as hell and you can tell. So uh, <laughs> it's still a good episode. Uh, I have my friend Craig on and he's very insightful when it comes to film and uh, he's very passionate about it and very knowledgeable. Uh, so I'm sure you will all love this episode as much as I did. Uh, he's a cool guy and I can't wait to have him back on the show. Uh, if you like the show, make sure to leave us an iTunes rating and review, and I will give you a shout-out on air, uh, good or bad. I like the bad ones. haven't had one yet, but I'll read one. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Being his friend. All right, so check one, check one. Do you want me to talk? You're going, you're going, you're good. You're... I'm going. I'm. You're recording or I'm going? We're recording. Mics oh, are okay, hot. Okay, okay, <laughs> Gotcha. All right, guys. Sneaky. You're listening to the Totally Wong podcast. I'm Eric Wong. And today I have my friend, Craig Bass. Hello. So, Craig, you're a filmmaker. Yeah. That's why I hit you up. Yeah. <laughs> so, how long have you <clears throat> been... Uh, in the business uh in the business probably 11 years i want to say um professionally professionally okay. yeah well <clears throat> sorry <coughs> probably yeah probably like 11 or 12 years professionally is now, my is, guess now with motion source is that yours or was that like a joint like with a group of friends you did with motion no source? so motion source is mine so uh, when I was, I'm almost 38. So I was probably, oh, I think I was about 25. I was dating this girl and I went to a Christmas party mm-hmm. at her parents' house. All her relatives were there. And at that time I was working on a documentary on cosplay, which everybody knows about now, but this was <laughs> cosplay blew up. Cosplay really is, yeah. Cosplay is huge. So, but this was back when it was still kind of an interesting phenomenon. So it was something I really wanted to dig into and see mm-hmm. what's the story here. Well, there, re- there actually wasn't much of a story, not in the sense that I was looking for. Um, but I had been working for like two or three years on this project mm-hmm. with a couple of guys, just very, very as indie as you can possibly as indie as a, as a project could possibly be. This project was no real funding, no nothing. It was just all, you know, all us, our time, and any side money I had from being a waiter <laughs> at night, which really you was got, like, I mean, you got to start <clears> it was minimal, yeah. yeah. So we're, I'm at this Christmas party with my girlfriend, and we had a little trailer cut for the die. There was It was nowhere near done, but we had cut like a little teaser trailer just to kind of, I think, motivate ourselves. And Now, now you were funding this all by yourself. Yeah, if you so, can even call it funny. Did you have like just like a little handheld camcorder? Or? No, we had a decent. I had a. This was DV tape, so I so had a like Canon, a Sony Sony VX. Or? This was a can. This was when I was all Canon, and it was like a Canon X HX XH A one or something. I don't remember what it is now. It's still it's in the basement of the studio here. Uh, so it was it was okay, but it was very DV. I mean, it really had that like late '90s, early 2000s indie look to it. But we, so we cut this little trailer and I'm at this Christmas party and my girlfriend's like, Hey, show it to my family. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I barely know anybody here. I don't feel super comfortable. And like, uh, this is just, this is very rough. This was just something to kind of, I think, motivate us or maybe get something out there. 
and she basically takes it and puts it on. <clears throat> and I'm not super excited about that, but she plays it. And her aunt's boyfriend comes up to me and he says, do you edit? And I said, no, because that was true. I don't. I, well, I do. I very well, you much do now, do. right? <laughs> very much. But I, at the time I didn't. So she said, you know, he said, can you edit? And I said, no. And he, it turns out he had like a little marketing company, very small in LaGrange. Mm-hmm. And he would do a lot of stuff for like local businesses or roofers, plumbers, people like that. Make their websites, make brochures, that kind of stuff. And YouTube was like, it was... Um, <clears throat> Very, it was nascent at the time, so it was just starting to kind of become a thing. I can relate to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so people were just starting to get into this like video marketing companies, using videos online and using it for marketing purposes. So he was starting to do videos for clients, but it was they were sort of few and far between. And he was looking for somebody to step in and help with that. But I told him, no, I'm not equipped to do that. You know, <laughs> I was being honest. And I said, but one of the guys I, I collaborate with on this documentary, he's a, he's a great editor. He can do it. And he knew how to do this stuff. He had gone to school for it. I didn't. And I tried to pass it over to my friend, give him an opportunity. Because he was still living at home. He was uh, not doing anything. He wasn't doing anything. He didn't have a job. He wasn't doing anything. He, has a, he had a lot of mental problems, uh, which is kind of besides, I mean, it's tied in. But I was trying to pass it over to him. And he never, he didn't act on it. I gave him about a week. He didn't act on it. And then I said, you know what? I'll just learn how to edit. I'll teach myself. I'll figure it out. And it took me about may, maybe two weeks to become proficient. So back then, what did you use to edit? <clears throat> Final Cut Pro. See, I never got the, I never got the privilege of using Final mm. Cut Pro. I did everything on Video Vegas when I used to do my well, Final videos. Cut was like, if you were doing indie stuff, it was Final Cut. You know, because there was no, maybe there was Premiere. I don't even think there was Premiere, which is now pretty much the standard, I think. Uh, And then all the big things, studios and and whatnot, they were using Avid. People still use Avid. I don't know why. Avid's terrible. Um, But it was Final Cut. I had, I think I got like a bootleg copy of it. You know, like anybody who was using software. It was totally legal. Don't listen to it. A legal bootleg. It was totally, legal bootleg. Totally legal. And, uh. I just, I bought a book at Borders. It was 600 pages or something with a CD in the back with test footage on it. It was Uh like a $40 book. And I, I learned Final Cut in probably a week or two. I actually, I I personally think editing is very easy. Uh, To be a great editor is a different story. But to, to, to be a, 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 um, an okay editor, you know, to do a good enough job is pretty easy to get there. See, I used to do YouTube videos with my mm-hmm. friends because, uh, like I was telling you before, I that was like my <clears throat> my class in high school. Yeah. Like, I had video second hour, and sometimes if I knew I was like didn't want to even go to school, yeah, I would show up, go to video, go home. Huh. So I had to edit on Video Vegas, which was kind of nice though because it was like a challenge because you don't have all the cool features like Final Cut Pro. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make any like a gun going off, mm-hmm. you have to like go find like a picture of a sparkler, mm-hmm. you know, chroma key or everything out, sure. and then time it with the sound effect. And you you had to learn how to be creative. But that and, might have been more advanced because you're how old are you? Twenty seven or something? Like I'm twenty seven. So when yeah. I was doing this, it was like about maybe twelve years ago. Right. So, but I'm saying I'm a decade older than you. Yeah. So by the time I got around to it, that wasn't you even were, there. You were tiny. So. <laughs> that Vegas was probably when you got to it just as sophisticated as Final Cut at the same time okay. was when I was getting into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, to return to it, it's basically I called him back up and I said, oh, I can edit. I lied to you. Like I said, I couldn't edit because I wanted to give my buddy an opportunity. But you know what? 
I, I can do this. And I'd never cut anything real. And he just had me come in. It was a very you know, small office, him, his girlfriend at the time, and like one web coder. And they all did everything. And he just sat me down and he was like, can you... Uh, he opened up a timeline in Final Cut. He's like, do this one thing. I did it. Do this other thing. Okay, I did it. And then he said, okay, you're hired. Uh, you want to start today? And this was freelance, so it was just going to be as needed. But yeah. you want to start today? And I'm like, um, <clears throat> yeah, I can do that. And he goes, okay. A client gave me this, and he gives me a photo, and it's uh, like a push start ignition for a car. And he says, take this photo, have the button push in, pop out, and then glow. And I said, okay, no problem. And he left for lunch. And I'm thinking, holy shit. Like, <laughs> it's you asked me to edit. Yeah. You didn't ask me to do motion graphics. I have no idea. So you're just sitting there fucking around trying to. Like... No, well, I'm a, uh, a big believer in tutorials and training. I didn't go to school for anything. And I didn't really have any mentors. Uh, well, I did have mentors, but I never met them. They were all people online, authors, things like that. So I he left and I just Googled for about 30 minutes, kind of figured out there was a program that came with final cut called motion and it was uh now that i know after effects and i've known after effects forever motion was like the worst motion graphics program you could possibly yeah. use but that's what was on the computer so i <clears throat> somehow got it to work and he came back and i showed it to him thank god he took long lunches and he came back and i showed it to him and i was like oh here you go and he said oh that's great so maybe a year maybe two years i would just do little jobs for him off and on you now, know. did edit, editing become like quick and easy for you or is it still like, no, it was a pretty quick, I think after two weeks it, it was, it clicked. I really think if you just apply yourself, it's, uh, it makes, it's, it's easy, you know, it's learning the principles and learning, you know, just learning technically how to do things, cut, organize, arrange bins, like all these different things is very easy. You can learn that easily in a week or two, you know, especially now with like, I have no sympathy for anybody in this day and age that wants to do something and doesn't do it because they say, oh, I don't know how to do it. I yeah. met a guy the other day. I mean, he was an older guy, but I met him at an event and he was retired and he said, I've always wanted to do photography, but you know, I don't know where I'm going to get, like, I don't know how to start and all this. And I, and I was like, there's YouTube. YouTube is, yeah. has more information on it alone than any university on the face of the planet. And it's visual. It, you have no excuse if you have a passion <coughs> or a desire yeah. to do something. You have no excuse not to be doing it. And that's, uh, you know, I don't know where I was going with this. There are things you can learn day. on YouTube that you won't even learn in school. Absolutely. And then there's other sources. So once you master everything on YouTube, which happened to me in the you know, 10 years. I mean, people are putting new stuff out, so there's always new material. But you get to a point in your career or, or your hobby or your passion, whatever it is, where you've you've gone from level one to level two to level three, and now you need more advanced information, you know, but there's resources for that. You can buy programs online. I was just going through a program with, uh, he was like a Hollywood level cinematographer. I mean, he is a Hollywood cinematographer and he's, you know. You want to drop names? <laughs> sure, Shane Hurl, but, but <clears throat> it was just, I just bought his training, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't particularly like any of the movies he shot. Yeah. I think they're like uh, Need for Speed and, <laughs> the greatest game ever played and uh, all these things. I don't I don't care about the movies, but he's... Movies I haven't even seen. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, but the information he shares is awesome. You pay, you know, it's, you pay to get a membership to his site or whatever you pay for the lessons. I'm just saying, like, with the internet, it's... You can do anything. You can learn anything. So I think the basis of editing was super easy to learn. Then I do think at a point you have to have a feeling for what works or what doesn't work. There is a certain point where it becomes, there's an intuitive component. 
And I think a lot of people do have that sense because people watch an immense amount of TV and film. So the language yeah. of television and film moving pictures is already encoded in their brain. It's you already kind of have that intuition uh, or many of us do and some don't. So I think it's uh, it was very simple, that part of it. So I started shooting some of the stuff for John was editing it and it was just kind of off and on. And then he, uh, eventually he, we, he just kept getting more work cause video was getting more and more popular. And he, at some point he's like, Hey, do you want to start another arm of the company? You and I will own it together. We'll split it half and half. And I said, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like, I don't want to be it's a all waiter. coming together. Yeah. It's all coming together. And we were doing like tiny little videos very cheaply, but, uh, it was amazing. It was one of the most exciting times of my life because I, I was climbing a ladder. Like I was succeeding. I was doing something. I wasn't doing know, something you love and actually, yeah, I was doing something that, you know, they don't call it a job if you love it. It's a career, right. Right. Know, right. Career, so. And that changes over time. Cause you get what you want. This is only human. And then you want something else, you know? So, uh, but at the time that was like, this is incredible. This is what I want to do. So I moved out to LaGrange and got a little apartment and started working with him full time. And it's just, that was probably about 10, 11 years ago. And he dropped the other arm of the company, which is what he was originally doing. The marketing, he dropped that within a year probably. And we just went full video. So, uh, and then we're where we're at today. So now when you were younger, did you yeah. make like any like videos mm -hmm. with your friends? Okay. What kind of videos did you make? Uh, there was two things, mainly Kung Fu movies and <laughs> I had a series called Saturday live. They were a sketch comedy. We would do Saturdays during the day. So Saturday live and, uh, some of it has been destroyed. Some of it, my friends actually destroyed cause their parents, his, their, their, it was three brothers and I, that would do it. And their dad was, he would man the camera and we were probably eight, nine, 10 and, he would show it to their church group and eventually they got so embarrassed <laughs> by some of the material they destroyed it. Cause I would, I was basically responsible for creating everything and I would get risque. No, well, I, I hear you on that. I mean, <clears throat> I remember for an eight year old, the, the youngest I remember having a camera in my hand was like probably eight or nine. Yeah. And then when I was 10, my parents got a new camcorder and they gave me their old little mini DV mm -hmm. one. And that thing might as well have been glued to my hand. Mm -hmm. I went to school with it. I went to the store with it. It's like American Beauty. Yeah, like I was yeah. recording anything I could. And I think, especially around the time I was like 13, that's like when Jackass came out. So mm -hmm. like, that's kind of how it really started. It like me and my friends doing like little Jackass stunts, writing mm -hmm. shopping carts, copying that. And then... The finest that, yeah. cin that cinema has <laughs> and to offer. once I got into high school, my teacher, who I plan on having on the show, I think you guys would be like best friends. Mm. He kind of opened me up to like, well, how about you add like a script or like structure? And then that all changed. Next thing I know, I'm writing short, you know, little videos. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to do a music video. And that was like my biggest, like my first big challenge was a music video. And to me, I had to go outside the box because everybody wanted to do Kanye West. And mm -hmm. I was the only one in all of his classes to do a rock video. I did right here in my arms by him and mm. it, the video he showed it to every class and it, it only looked cool by default because i had oh, compared to everybody else's yeah because everyone filmed it on like a uh, mini dv and yeah i owned a little at that time a little sd card you know camera oh, that's sophisticated. so the lighting sucked on it and we're filming in the winter so everybody everything had this blue mm -hmm. tint to it 
and it kind of just fit with the melodramatic tone of the song and everyone's like yeah your editing was so great and i'm like yo yeah that lighting i spent a lot of time on it but really yeah. it just kind of came <clears throat> together so if you loved it how come you never pursued I film as a lifestyle couldn't afford school for yeah it. well neither could i yeah and i'm i mean i got accepted into the art institute of chicago but then i bombed the like the testing for it okay like the interview wise they're like we want you you know but i've never been a good tester so i bombed that and then i started working and i kind of got caught up into it and you know me i have all these different passions yeah we've I, talked about yeah this. i remember a conversation we i had was a while I, ago. I wanted to do <clears throat> you know comic books and I, I did tattooing for a little while so right now i'm at a point in my life as long as i'm being creative no matter what it is mm. i'm happy I'm doing yeah. this podcast. I'm doing Second City. I and I still tattoo for fun, and that's a scary statement. That's the way. Well, that's the way I enjoy it because I started working at a shop and I knew the owner. I told him, "Listen, I don't want to do this as a career. Yeah, I just want to pick it up as a hobby." He apparently didn't hear that, and he just forced it as a career on me, trying to get me to tattoo people I wasn't ready to tattoo yet. Oh wow! So I'm like, did that happen? He, I had a tattoo one person because our artist left and I wasn't comfortable, but he made me do it anyways. And I fucked it up. Oh boy. And I'm like, yeah, this ain't going to work. And I left. So well, what happened? Was that person upset? Yeah. I mean, they knew. Did I, it get fixed? Can you, could you fix it? I think or? they brought it back when he got a new artist and they, wow. they fixed it because she wanted names on both of her shoulders yeah. and it's like a whole new angle. I never worked at. And I'm telling him like, I don't know how to sure. do it. But I mean, did she get mad at you? Not mad at me. <laughs> no, she knew That's I lucky. was. She knew I was an apprentice. She, you know, she. I had, I charged her like thirty dollars for the apprentice price. So. Oh well, you but, get what you pay for, I guess. Right? You know, but, I mean, I, I'm not afraid to say if I can't do something. So, you know, my friends will come to me for like little tattoos. Can I get a name or can I get? Yeah. You know, a little symbol from a you know video game or whatever. Have you tattooed yourself? No, is that not a thing that you do? I'm afraid to, because it's like I know it hurts, and I don't, yeah. you know. But like when you go to get tattooed, it's different because it's like you have to sit there. But if I know if I'm gonna tattoo myself, I'd be like, ow, I don't stop. Mm. Ow, oh, because you control it. You yeah, can, you can stop. I'd rather just sit there and have it happen. What's your favorite tattoo that you have? Man, that's hard. I want to say probably my Charlie Chaplin. Where is that one? Can I see that? Oh. What's I, the newest? Is that a newer tattoo? Or is that my new, my latest tattoo is Elvis. How old is the Chaplin one? I got that was my first big tattoo. I was like, man, it's like nine years old now. Yeah, but Chaplin was always important to me because that's when I really got into filmmaking. Right. All because of freaking Robert Downey Jr. No, <laughs> oh, I want to see that film. He, I've never seen. Yeah, that it's film. it's an amazing film. <laughs> I was maybe twelve when I saw it, and then it got me into Charlie Chaplin, and then. I was already kind of into like older films because mm-hmm. like my grandpa used to sit down. We used to watch like the silent Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. and all the Universal Monsters, which is why I'm into horror, and uh, which is why I, I still prefer old fashioned cinema because I like the simplicity of it. Have you seen um, what the hell is it called? One of my friends who is a cinematographer showed me. A trailer for a new uh, film that's coming out with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Oh, uh, The Lighthouse, yeah. I think it's Lighthouse. Called. Yeah, have you seen the trailer for that? I'm interested in it because I kind of <laughs> like the idea of a black and white film being brought yeah. up today. Well, here's the... 
I saw the trailer and he's like, I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited for this. And I was, I said, yeah, the trailer looks really neat, but I have a problem with it. (laughs) I have a problem with it in that it's everything that I've seen from the trailer to the music, to Mm -hmm. the costume design, the setting up, obviously the setting stuff. We won't count that. The cinematography, the lighting is trying to ape. Sorry, there's a train right outside. It's okay. Um, (laughs) Is trying to ape the you know films of an earlier era whether mm-hmm. it's 30s 40s whatever it is and i love a lot of that older cinema uh i i have a problem though in just recreating the past um yeah. because i always think well these people that you idolize look up to follow that created this material they weren't attempting to emulate their inspirations that were 30 years old does that yeah. make sense? They were trying. They were working with the tools they had at the time to try and uh, make something presumably new and interesting. And I feel that there's this push sometimes to make things in music. I've seen it more. Where like it's just try like to, try to <clears throat> bring back something, right? Like, well, we're just going to be a. I always say I always use the Strokes as an example, but I actually don't know what the Strokes sound like, <laughs> so that's not fair. I just for some reason I indie, make an assumption. Uh, it's hard to describe the Strokes. They're indie though. They're okay. indie rock. I know the one song. It's cool, Reptilia or whatever. But there's uh, there's a lot of music that just tries to emulate. Hey, let's do seventies rock now, you know, and we'll even dress like those guys. We'll have the long hair and you're, the open no, shirts right. and stuff. And I'm thinking, well, what are you doing? I mean, yeah, those guys inspired you. Well, those guys were inspired by like blues. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They weren't. Uh, and they didn't come out in 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 whatever the accoutrements of uh, blues musician are and and play music that sounded exactly like their inspirations. They were simply a filter through which their inspiration passed, uh, and then out the other side came something new. So I look at a film like that. And I'm like, it's cool, but it just looks like a guy that likes noir filmmaking trying to completely emulate the the no, the style of the noirs that spoke to him. And I think I fundamentally have a problem with doing that. Uh, Inspiration is one thing, mm-hmm. but to just completely ape something like that is, I don't know, maybe it'll be an amazing film. Do you understand it, what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not it, sure it, I'm articulating It's one it. thing to like do like almost like a, like an homage as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to fully recreate. Cause like, that's probably one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of James Wan with his horror films. Okay. I've only seen Saw. Uh, and this was age. Oh, wow. So if you were to watch. I don't really like horror films though. Yeah. I, we think we talked about yeah. this. I did watch something that scared me that I can tell you about, but go ahead. Okay. So like if you were to watch like the conjuring or like the insidious movies, he's done. I've heard those are good. They're very, I like to call them like old fashioned horror films Mm -hmm. in a way, because you know, with black and white films, I felt like you were able to manipulate shadows a hell of a lot more. And the black and white's very forgiving. So my advice to anybody who fucks up a film, (laughs) put it in black. and white. (laughs) It'll fix most of your problems. But if you were to watch his films, he'll put things in the background that scare you mm-hmm. no no jump scare or anything there'll be a white face come, you know slowly appearing mm-hmm. from the shadows and no no music building up to it and then it just that's what scares you. it creeps you out yeah which is something when i watch a horror film i prefer to be creeped out because i feel like if you can a jump scare is one thing you get someone's heart racing for right. good for a second you know yeah. 10 seconds adrenaline you creep someone out they take that with them. Right, which is why I don't like horror films. <laughs> <laughs> because I do take it with me. But let me ask you this question. Who inspired that James Wan guy? Like, who would you assume in, are his inspirations? 
I mean, if anyone who takes stuff from like old black and white horror films, usually James Wales. Okay. But when biggest. you watch James Wan's film, you're not thinking like, oh, this guy just recreated a James Wales. No. Film. Exactly. It, yeah. And that's the point I'm trying to make yeah. is, is uh, we all take inspiration from different places. I just, I think I fundamentally have a problem with just trying to recreate something that you like. Um, it's basically like, I'm not going to be popular for saying this. Uh, <laughs> I don't get cover bands. <laughs> if you're an artist, you know, to me, artists make things that cover band. Sure. They may be giving it their own spin, but you're, you're an entertainer. Yeah. You're getting on a stage and entertaining people and you don't have to agree. And nobody else has to agree with me, but this is something <laughs> that like, you know, Prince wrote that song. You didn't write it. You're just you're getting in front it. of, you know, a, a group of like 45 year old, uh, <laughs> upper middle class white people with beers in their hands at a local festival playing a Prince song. And I know that sounds really cruel. <laughs> and I know people that do cover bands that are super talented and they're super great people. But I, from an artistic perspective, it's the same idea is you're kind of just doing someone else's thing. You know, you're just recreating someone else's thing. I can relate to that because in high school, I was in a couple bands, mm-hmm. every band, let's cover Blink-182, let's cover <laughs> The Offspring. And you want to know and, what, what band I hated throughout high school because of that? Huh? Blink-182. Well, Blink-182 sucks and always has <laughs> sucked. But I like them now, but there's high no, school, there's uh, Covers are awesome, but yeah. if you cover a song, you have to reinvent the song. So Tori Amos did a cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit by uh, Nirvana. It's awesome. And they completely she completely reinvented the song. And there's, I'm sure, tons of other examples of this. That's the first one that jumps into my head. Uh, I, th- But again, that's taking an influence and filtering it through your unique vision. You know who does that a lot? Huh. I'm not a big fan of him anymore, but Marilyn Manson. He is a good okay. one. He will take a song. I think he even covered Elvis <clears throat> at one point in the ghetto. It's possible. And oh, he, I didn't know he will take a song and do a complete 180. He can take right. a, the Barney theme song and then change it to where you wouldn't even recognize well, it. Well, like they had, uh, I think last year Weezer covered Africa by Toto. And it, it sounded, sounded like just the like the same it. damn song yeah. and everyone lost their mind for it. And I'm like, it sounds like the same damn song. They didn't do anything with it. They yeah, didn't. Weird Al in the video. Wait, what is it? Weird oh, Al, Weird Al's in the video. Weird Al's in the video. It's yeah. the only thing I liked about it. Sure. But I think you get what I'm saying. It's like you, you, everything should be pulled through your unique vision. That is you. And out the other side comes something different. You know what I mean? You, so these things that just are recreations, like full, feel like full-on recreations to me of something that already came uh, before it, I just, I don't have a lot of respect for it. So The Lighthouse, I don't know, it may be an awesome film and it may, I may be completely off base when it comes out and people actually see how it plays out, but this is my gut reaction. It looks awesome, Yeah. right? There's one area in which I think you could just go back and like, you and I have talked about like uh, German expressionism. Yep. And I think it would be, cool to do a music video that looked like that for some reason i accept this kind of stuff more in the context of music videos uh but still it's something new it's yeah. you're fusing it with something it hasn't been fused with you're updating it in a way uh but i would never yeah i don't know i have to think about it more you know this is an ever-evolving philosophy but i just i don't know lighthouse <laughs> but i did see something that scared me carnival row have you seen carnival row no do you know carnival row i think i've heard of it it's on netflix no it's on amazon prime do you have amazon prime yes i do but i'll check it out you maybe will like it it's a big it was like amazon prime's big fantasy show they just put out and it's it doesn't take place on earth it's like an alternate earth and it's in basically victorian times and it's a society where the uh, those who are discriminated against are mythical beings. So like fairies are in society, but they're relegated to 
like the ghetto in the city. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, the, oh, is it the Orlando Bloom? Orlando Bloom. Okay, city. I know you're thinking. There was a movie. There's. I was thinking of a different like a movie. Okay. I know. I know you're talking about. This is really. We just finished it the other night. And I don't watch a lot of shows, and I don't finish a lot of shows. And there's things about it I don't like, but as a whole, I really liked it. There's. It's kind of gory, but you'll be fine with that. <laughs> yeah, you know. It, it, yeah, that's like my calling right there. But there's some creepy. I, I don't think to the level of the insidious and whatnot, but there's some creepy elements to it. But they worked really well in this sort of, it's kind of like a Lovecraftian steampunk type of a setting. And the world building is just awesome. That the, the, the naming conventions and the way they kind of manipulate religion, and it just feels like a very full world that they've built out. And we don't see that a lot. So highly recommended. Uh, Carnival Row is cool. I mean, for you not liking horror, I'll check it out. Because I remember... Even it's not... The, I don't know if it's... I, there's horror <laughs> elements, but... I remember when we know. did the Hessler video. <laughs> you yeah. made me the blood expert. <laughs> well, and that's the weird thing is I'll do stuff that is horror tinged. But I don't... I don't like straight horror. Now, when I was younger, I loved horror, man. There was like four years. That was my genre. I was <laughs> obsessed with horror. I saw every different kind of horror film I could. Some very, very disturbing shit. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Uh, I subscribed to Rue Morgue magazine. I don't know if they still I, have yep, that. I still I have a subscription. And uh, I was obsessed, I was obsessed with with horror. And I would I even went to like a horror conventions. I went to a horror convention in Maryland or Maine or somewhere. I was obsessed with horror for about four years, but now I don't know. Getting older, recognizing my own mortality, just being a more nervous person the older I get, it doesn't sit well with me. Uh, for me, it's just it's fun, you know. Yeah, see, it's, I like the cheesy. I like the cheesy stuff though. So. I mean, for me to get into like a modern horror film, mm-hmm. you really need to pull everything out. Like the, for instance, I think the last, well, I guess two good horror movies I've seen in theaters, it one and two. Did you see that Midsummer movie? I've been, I've heard mixed reviews. I don't know if it's supposed to be good, but I know that guy's The Witch got very mixed reviews. The same director. Did you see The Witch? No, but I, there was another movie that was like on the same level is mm-hmm. that everyone kept saying like, i had to see but as far as horror movies in theaters like it was the only one i really enjoyed because i mm-hmm. feel like movies and cgi gets used a lot i think yeah. like too much so that's kind of like why Agreed. i like you know 90s and the 80s. you're saying when they're doing prosthetics and things oh yeah yeah i agree 100 percent agree with you it 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 look those seem like worlds you could touch where now even the the height of it you know, my best friend, his favorite movies are the Avengers movies. And <laughs> Hello, I do me, love them. And he'll show me clips. And uh, it's like, this is the best CG is right now, is what Marvel's doing. And you can still look at it and say, it's close, but I don't feel like oh, I could touch watch it. Watch it on a 4K TV. It ruins it for you completely. Yeah, it feels too 4K, shiny. 4K, it's just like, well, everything's like super crystal clear. And you're yeah. like, I just watched uh, Alita Battle Angel. Oh, I'm sorry. I liked it. Was it good? I liked it. I used to watch the anime when I was a little kid, so I'm worried about the whitewashed adaptation It might be different for you, because I'm someone I can't do anime at all. That's okay. Speed Racer, that's it. So my brother got it, and I thought the movie looked interesting. And it was good. I mean, I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. But on a 4K TV, it's like, man, that looks so fucking fake. Yeah, even the best CG still looks kind of fake. And we'll, we'll definitely cross a threshold where... Uh, it looks better, but to your point, a movie like Labyrinth from when I was little and probably before your time, but you've, have you seen Labyrinth before? Mm, David no. Bowie? No, I'm Jennifer not, I'm not Conley. a big fantasy person. 
Oh, that's I love fantasy. That's the thing is everybody calls me a filmmaker. I mean, that's definitely how I've kind of built myself, and that's the direction yeah, of my life. That's how last, I know you. That's how you know me. But the last few years have been spent uh, way more writing than filming. I mean, as my day job, I do corporate and commercial work. Yeah. But on the side, I haven't done as many side projects as I've been writing, and my genre is generally fantasy. So I've been working on a fantasy novel um, and uh, and short stories and things like that. So that's I wrote one script, like one full-blown yeah. script, or maybe two, but there was one, I think I had like 50 pages in and my computer crashed. Oh, it was God. called, uh, it, was, it was a horror comedy called Last of the Clowns. Oh, that's and it was terrible. about this like this mad scientist making this like laughing gas that gets yeah. released over this whole town and people start turning into uh clowns zombie clowns oh boy and like it was my little playoff of killer clowns from outer space in I a way remember that movie so like some person gets like a pie in the face but then their face starts to melt and shit. see that's not my style right there. the gore i can't handle uh well I love it because when, whenever I used to make horror films, I just like the creativity of like, okay, how can I make this happen? Yeah, I can understand. I can respect that. I used to I have hoses with blood, like you know, connected to my mm -hmm. friend's shirt. So, you know, someone gets their throat cut, <clears throat> spraying out. Yeah. I remember I'm, I had this trailer. I used to make a lot of trailers. If I knew I couldn't like afford a full-blown movie, I'm yeah. like, I'm going to make a three-minute trailer okay. of a movie that doesn't exist. And it was a movie called Artie. And it was... About this kid who was bullied. It was kind of like a Halloween-esque type of mm -hmm. thing. Comes back to get vengeance on the kids that bullied him. And I mean, I must have spent three or four hundred dollars of my own money. And for being seventeen, that's lucky you. It's a lot of money. I mean, luckily the job I was working at let me use the warehouse to film. Yeah, I had a. I mean, I was up on a forklift. My dad lifted me up on a forklift. I'm like forty feet in the air, fifty feet in the air, with my tripod and my little camera getting a shot of a body being thrown out of a window. Probably, I probably would never do that again though. Cause I fucking hate heights. I do too. So, and when you're, yeah, I have other people on set that don't mind heights and I let them do all the aerial, anything <laughs> that requires can't. height. So speaking of influences, do you take influence from anything though? Well, yeah, you gotta be more specific though in uh, terms of, um, of like any certain style. Well, in like my personal work or my professional work? In your professional or, I mean, either or. I do, guess. Do you separate that, the two? Well, I, in the sense that when I say professional work, like work that people are paying me to do. So commercials, corporate videos, uh, work with nonprofits, doing fundraising videos, stuff like that. Yeah, I take inspiration, but that is more um, contemporary inspiration. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking at people will show me videos or I'll look at videos online or like, I don't watch TV at all. I watch very little comparatively movies even than most people do. So a lot of times people will show me things and say, which is, hey, which is weird here to say with you handling with like filmmaking that you yeah. don't really watch a lot of movies. I mean, I watch a decent amount, but I probably watch like two or three movies a week. What I mean, way don't, less than I do. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like most people are, and I don't watch any TV but except, I mean, I guess that's well, good I'd though. Say like carnival row. And that's stuff. good though. Cause then at the same time, you're not overly kind of, no, I mean, I'm more, I think I'm more into reading for one thing. So I spend a lot of time reading and then I've been writing a lot and then working on projects a lot. So <clears throat> I'd always rather be, um, active creating something than watching something else. Somebody created that doesn't mean I don't love film. So, Professionally, though, most of my inspiration is coming from other commercial work or things that may be relevant right now in terms of techniques, 
I'll get to throw in some of my own spin with certain clients that trust me and that are willing to be a little so bit do, more So do you creative. have like your own like signature thing that you do for like instance like Kubrick his his <laughs> thing what he would do is uh, I'll bring up Clockwork Orange for example. Terrible Dude. film. I love it. It's yeah, actually one of my personal film. I like the book better <laughs> though, but for instance there's a scene where this girl's getting attacked but it starts off in this theater and he zooms in on this beautiful mantelpiece on this theater and you hear like this beautiful music and then as he slowly pulls away you see a horrible thing that's about to happen mm-hmm. on the stage so he'll show you something beautiful and mislead you completely yeah so that was something I, every now and then i like when i was making <clears throat> projects in school i was trying to do i was trying to kind of mislead people that's cool I just think professionally, like I said, when you're creating a commercial for someone, they're going to have a sense of what they want. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, then it becomes the game of how do I kind of recreate that vision? Or they'll say, what's your best, you know, some people don't know what they want, so they will ask for your input. Uh, But really like the passion work is the music videos, short films, the stuff that, you know, you've done some of that with me, the stuff that I do on the side, that that's more who I am as a, a filmmaker. The other stuff is, um... I'm more of a technician. You know what I mean? I get to be creative in some instances. Some instances very creative. But most a lot of the work that comes to you, there's you're you're really inside of a box in terms of this is what a client wants. So professional inspirations, when I say professional, I mean my day job, the company that I run. You know, it's <clears throat> I'll work in some of the things that speak to me outside of Yeah. You know, the everyday that is sort of modern techniques, but a lot of it is just, you know, you see somebody shares a commercial with you or a music video or like a, just a weird film off Vimeo or something and you, okay, this could work for this client or that client. Like I have a secret Pinterest board yeah. that is just, you know, I have sections in it, corporate, nonprofit, this, and it's, you know, 40 samples in each that are types of videos, you know, commercials, web videos, things like that, that I use as uh, ground for inspiration for whatever comes next professionally. Uh Personally, yeah, I mean, I there's things that totally influence me. I'm a very obsessive person, so to when Lydia, my girlfriend, and I started dating, she showed me Singing in the Rain, which I had no interest in. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny I about had that. I no interest in my, my, uh, <clears throat> bro- my youngest brother just got the lead for that it's, in, oh, in, in his Singing play. In the Rain? Yeah, I've That's never awesome. seen it yet. I just know the song from Clockwork Orange. You haven't seen the film, though? No, it's on my, okay. it's on my list. So I always thought, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's this big class, you know, it's this classic musical, and... I have no interest in this. And I watched it and I, I was just, I loved it. I loved the physicality of it. Like it's very fluent and acrobatic, you know, yeah. the dances and everything. And the story's fun. The time period's really neat. Um, and I loved it. And so I said, okay, well, Gene Kelly, who stars in that, let's watch every Gene Kelly film. <laughs> so that took two weeks or whatever, or a month, you know, and we watched every Gene Kelly film. And now it's like, okay, I'm really into this sort of classic musical thing. So uh, well, like Fred Astaire was fa- like, like a phase. Yeah. And I'll keep that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I'll keep it and I'm still interested in it. But it was like almost two years of, it started with singing in the rain. Then I watched pretty much every significant musical in uh, probably between 1920 and, uh, maybe 1970 or something like that or 1960. So every like classic musical from the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, basically watched everything, you know, not, and not literally everything. It's a funny thing. Speaking of like musicals, I noticed lately as I've gotten older, my taste has changed. Oh yeah. Like like you were saying, like how you used to love horror. I mean, I still love horror, but like, for instance, I remember in high school, we had to watch West side story Mm -hmm. and I fucking hated it. 
And then now it's probably in like my top 10 favorite movies of all oh, time. Yeah. I mean, your taste is always going to change. And for me, it's usually the other way around where there's things that I loved when I was younger and now I kind of gave up on them because they don't speak to me anymore. David Lynch is a great example. When I first found David Lynch, I'm like, I've never seen a film like this, you know, and I loved. Oh, it was a racer head, right? Well, that the first David Lynch film I saw was probably like I couldn't get into Eraserhead. Everyone, no, Eraserhead's very out there. I think maybe if you watch something like Lost Highway or Mulholland Drive, I know uh, I've seen one of his films. I just can't. Probably Mulholland Drive. I, I mean, after that, I kind of fell off because I lost interest in him. But when you first discover David Lynch, you're like, oh, dude's basically creating dreams on films. There's no real logic to him. That's kind of out there and surreal and. It's something I'd never seen before. So, I'd, you know, when I first encounter it, it really spoke to me. This is neat. You know, this is something different. Now I don't care about David Lynch. I'm like, dude's creating dreams on film. There's no logic to anything he does. <laughs> There's no, you know, very weak stories. The acting's too stylized in a lot of instances. So it's like, I, I don't have an interest in David Lynch anymore. But uh, so taste does evolve. For me, it's usually the opposite, though, where, uh, you know, I drop things or yeah. discover entirely new things. Rarely do I fall in love with something that I never liked. If I never liked, I never like artichokes, never have liked <laughs> them. I still hate them, you know. Um I like artichoke dip <clears throat> and not artichokes. I like artichoke dip too if it's <laughs> mainly not artichokes yeah. and just cheese or whatever. So, I would say so yeah, so it started like, you know, the last 2 2 3, well, I guess 3 years, uh we basically watched every musical, you know. And then that led me to, well, I, I really like this time period in cinema. So uh, then we started watching all these different dramas. And then I started watching a lot of film noir because these pieces all sort yeah. of interconnect. And, uh, you know, that dominated my viewing habits for like two or three years. So that doesn't, you know, it's pieces of that will make it into what I do professionally. And pieces of it will absolutely make it into to what I do uh, passionately, the shorts and the music videos and stuff, whether people recognize it or not. I just did a video, my latest video is actually a reggaeton music video, not my style. This guy really wanted to work with me and he's a really nice guy. And there's a lot of inspiration from that, uh, the, the classic films, classic romances, classic yeah. musicals. I don't know that you would, I don't think you would think that though, watching it, without the preface of hey you know you unless, you, unless you've seen stuff like that you probably right without knowing it because then there, it, it looks more like the macbeth video that we did but it's uh, highly influenced i was just talking by, to chris about that too yeah that was that's one of my favorites probably i'm very self-critical but i i, I, do I like out of the name. projects i've helped with yeah that was good so yeah that that's the thing right now i'm like rich i'm returning to my youth right now which was all uh <laughs> Hong Kong cinema from the eighties and nineties. So I would go and I don't even know how I just for like side. So for like your like side projects, I'm just saying personally, oh, like, like that's what I'm really watching right now. And I'm pulling inspiration. So right now I'm like, man, I really want to do a Kung Fu movie, you know? So I'm seeking. So if anybody listened to this, this is like a amateur stunt man or acrobat or Kung Fu, uh, expert hit me up. I want to do some Kung Fu based projects. Dude, hit me up. I did like, <laughs> I used to do Taekwondo. Yeah, well, but I'm yeah. talking. I need people. I want yeah, to find like people who super are legit. Right, right. Because I, I actually do know some people that um, know. You know, I a couple of my old senseis. I'm still yeah. in touch with them. Are these old guys or younger guys? To me, well, when I was 15, they were old. But then I found as I got older, I found yeah. out they're like six years older than me. So okay. they're in their 30s. Yeah, just want to have people that can fall. You know what I mean, and not crack their bird bones. 
I'm all for that. <laughs> I've taken beatings before. Oh yeah, you could take a beating. But this is the thing, you know. So now I'm I'm returning. When I was a kid, I loved Hong Kong cinema. None of it existed in the United States. Um, the only way you could see it was laser discs. You'd have to find Chinese laser disc rental I think stores. With, with that too, it's like back in the day, you wanted to watch. You know, a kung fu movie. It's just like, well, here's Bruce Lee because he's the biggest one. You know, right? And actually, I I love Bruce Lee. He fascinates me. His movies are terrible. I, know, I like I like I like Enter the Dragon. Uh, yeah, but it's like, have you seen Tony Ja or Tony Ya? I don't know how yeah, it's yeah, pronounced. Yeah. He's probably one of my favorites. Thai, the, the Ong Bak guy. Ong Bak Protector. Yeah, he's he's getting out there more, and he's doing more mainstream movies, which I don't care for. But as far as like Ong Bak and the Protector <clears> films. <throat> I mean, out of martial art, like modern martial mm-hmm. arts, probably my favorite. I think uh, I'm still, I mean, I'm a massive Jackie Chan film. Of course, Jackie's not doing the best work of his life right now. I'm that, still that waiting for Rush Hour 4. I think that might happen. Fingers crossed. That's all I want. <laughs> it's like, just give me Rush Hour 4 and I'll be happy. He's a genius, though. I was just watching a movie. It's actually a relatively recent movie and it's pretty bad. But there's a scene where he's probably on the 30th floor of a building and these guys are, excuse me, trying to throw him off of it. And he falls and he lands on an air conditioner. <laughs> Wait, and I know, I, I, know I think I know what film you're talking about. He's jumping down air conditioners for like 30 stories to get down the side of this building. All these in, in window unit air think. conditioners. I, I feel it's like incredible. I've seen it. He's a genius. He's a madman and a genius and probably an egomaniac, but uh, he's brilliant. But today, if you're going to say now, like, yeah, Tony Jaws cool. I'm more into like, um, I don't know if there's anybody that really carries the mantle. Like Donnie Yen's really good, but he's getting a little older now. He's, I like, you know, with, with martial arts, I need to watch something that like is choreographed well and shot to where I can actually see what's going on. Like that's Hong Kong movies. I'm gonna get that. that Hong Kong did that. The United States has never done that. They still have never done it. The closest the U.S. has ever come to making a good action film is John Wick. Oh my god, I love John Wick. They, I will say this, and I will go on the record saying this: uh, Hollywood does not know how to make action films. I'm gonna get ridiculed for this, and I know my, I might even get like a one star in this episode just That's by fine. saying this. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Dark Knight series. Never even seen it, dude. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so like, and, and I'm not saying they're not. I've good. actually I seen like clips. I've seen clips from that series used though uh-huh. when they're talking about how not to film a fight scene. Yeah, because it's very they Jason Jason Bourne esque or whatever. They zoom in. They just zoom in too much. If you were to watch Batman Begins: The Dark Knight, all their fight scenes are super zoomed in. Yeah. You don't know what you're looking at. But then if you watch John Wick, it's just like they pull it back a little bit. It's shot to where you can see each blow, each oh, maneuver. Yeah. I actually didn't really care for the first John Wick because I went into it and people were like, "Oh, dude, you're gonna love this movie because this is like the movies you like." But American. <laughs> it's Keanu. And I was like, and, and Keanu's great. Right? You can't not love Keanu. He's a terrible actor, but a great human being. So uh, just... have you seen River's Edge? No, I haven't. Watch River's That's Edge. Good. I think I've heard of that. Okay. It's I'll like watch his, that. I want to say it's his first film. I mean, I think he does a, an incredible job in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but he's just playing himself. He got typecast as that is what it was. Because it's him. But the John Wick one, I didn't really care for. When I saw it, I had higher expectations. It felt a little hollow to me. But then we watched John Wick 2, and something about 2, I was like, man. And it, the stunt choreography. Well, the story well, they, evolves, too. Yeah, they built the world out so much more, where they really got into like these assassins and how they function and the different factions and stuff in 2. So it, it, as a world-building exercise, it was really interesting. But then the action scenes, I think they upped it even. And I was like, okay, yeah, they get it. Because the guy that directed it, right, was a stuntman. He was... I think so, yeah. He was... uh, Or maybe there were two directors, I don't know. But one of them 
was Keanu's stunt double in The Matrix. The Matrix... Which they're making a four now. They are making a four. The Matrix is... I do feel is kind of dated now. I never got into it. I like it, and I liked it, but it is a bit dated. Uh, but the fight choreographer for The Matrix was Yoon Woo Ping. Yoon Woo Ping was like responsible for so many of the great Hong Kong classic martial arts films. So if you kind of follow this line back, it makes sense. John Wick's good because it follows the... Uh, Hong Kong lineage. As far as John Wick as like an American action film, I want to say it knocked Taken off the mantle. What is it? Taken with Liam Neeson. Terrible film. Somebody <laughs> told me because <laughs> I love terrible, but terrible parenting. That's for sure. <laughs> I love Korean revenge films, and somebody's like, "Dude, Taken is the white man's Korean revenge film. You have to watch it." And I watched it. I'm like, "That film was terrible. <laughs> I the like story it. was terrible." No, and that's okay. When yeah. I say these things, I'm not belittling anybody yeah. who likes them. I'm just being honest. Usually, like if I'm inter- at least entertained and not bored, yeah, I'll usually say I like something because there. I mean, I, there are movies I've seen that are fucking terrible. The Lobster. Have you seen The Lobster? No. We. She needs us to pause for a second. I think. What's up? The Only One Podcast is brought to you by Audiophiles Records. Alright guys, if you like music and you live in the Chicagoland area, I got something for you. Chances are, if you like music, which face it, everyone does, you like to listen to it on vinyl. Well, if I know one thing about vinyl, the best place to get vinyl from is Audiophils Records. Audiophils Records is located at 17 East Van Buren Street, downtown Joliet, Illinois. They buy, sell, and trade vinyl with a large collection of new and pre-loved. They have an amazing music program too. They carry any and all local music with all the proceeds going back to the artist. And guess what? They'll even put you on the radio. Yep, they will put you on 88.7 FM and get you on the radio. So if you're in a band, you should probably contact them. Best part about this place, it's a family-ran business. Alright? All they care about is you getting the tunes you're looking for. It's audiophilrecords.com. And before you're thinking, Audio Phil, F-I-L-L. No, no, no. Audio and Phil the name, all right? It's A-U-D-I-O-P-H-I-L-S-R-E-C-O-R-D-S dot com. Audio Phil Records, the only place to go for vinyl in Chicagoland area. Are you still rolling? Or? Yeah, I, I just left it hot. Yeah. I forget what we were talking about. The Lobster is one yeah, of the worst the... films I've ever seen in my life. It's so bad. Have I you seen you Catwoman? Have and... you seen Catwoman? With Halle Berry? Yeah. No, I haven't. That's... <laughs> it's bad. I don't know. We, we did that. I think it's a different kind of bad. <laughs> the Lobster was supposed to be this brilliant European comedy with uh, uh, Colin Farrell, and he gained all this weight for the role <gasps> Wait, and everything. I think... How old is it? Uh, we watched it. We walked out of the theater, and I mean, it <laughs> that's the how you know first, it's bad. It was the first, second birthday of Lydia's. We were dating, so I I'm gonna say like two or three years old. All right, I think I've I've heard of it. It's this thing you go to like people turn into animals if they don't find a love match at a certain point in their life, and that's I'm simplifying it immensely. The base premise, I was like, oh, this sounds like a cool magical realism film. And we went and saw it, and I was like. Um, a girl I know summarized it the best I could think. It is a Wes Anderson film as directed by Lars von Trier, who is a very demented German director. I don't like or Danish. I, 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 get, I get hated for this, but I don't even like Wes Anderson. 
I cannot sit through oh, a single see, film. See, when I was younger, I, that's one of those, again, when I was younger, you first see a Wes Anderson film, and it's like, I've never really seen anything like this. Just the way he shoots things is very kind of flat and symmetrical, and he is like very in tune with how he's blocking out colors and stuff. But then, again, you know, after three years of being into it or whatever, you I, I lost interest. The biggest, the biggest problem with Wes Anderson, and I haven't seen all his movies, I probably, last one I saw was like, Life Aquatic, I think, came after. Royal That's the Simon. one I've tried to sit through it three times. So oh, I can't finish it. I tried to watch uh, Ho- the Budapest Hotel. Try to watch whatever. I forgot <laughs> what it's called. The the Hotel Budapest, whatever. Uh, I'm with you. It's like I've lost all interest in him. He makes the same movie over and over again. Here, here's an example. When I was very heavy in the filming, yeah. and we were trying to make a a sketch movie. For instance, a new. On, during the YouTube days, me and my friends, mm-hmm. we had a show called Low Budget. And each episode was just like a little random adventure of me and my buddy. After that, we wanted to involve Low Budget into an actual movie and just make it a collection of skits. Okay. Never happened. No one showed <laughs> up. That's like the hardest thing, trying to make a film. Absolutely. And if you don't have money. Yeah. If you, you don't, don't have pay money. people $700 a day base, you're fine. But uh, I remember one of the skits I had, it was going to be a Wes Anderson Batman film called man of nocturnal nature. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I can't make this without watching his films. Sure. Could not sit through any of them. No. And I abandoned it. I'm like, Oh, fuck it. It's I, I respect, funny. I respect that opinion. I used to like him. I have no interest in him anymore. And I do feel that he's one of the, those guys that like, he makes the same. I haven't seen all his movies. Everything I've seen of his, which probably six movies that I've seen, he makes the same movie again and again and again. And it people try to copy him too. I've noticed more and oh, more lately. I mean, he's a formative filmmaker. He changed the face of yeah. I mean, filmmaking I, res- I mean, I respect him for it. It's just, well, you don't have to. Yeah, it's you not can. My cup of tea. You don't have to. But um, I'm kind of indifferent at this point. But it's he makes the same damn movie over and over again. It's boring. You know, uh, there's a lot of guys that. I think you get pigeonholed and you do the same sort of thing. I have a friend that does. I, I actually haven't talked to him in probably two years. No falling out or anything, just separate paths. And he's younger than me. He was doing music videos. And he does this very like lo-fi look to his videos. Very low contrast. Very yeah. just kind of run and gun. Not a lot of lighting. And I had asked him once after he did about seven, eight, nine, ten videos in this vein. I said, do you ever want to do something different? Like high contrast, very polished, whatever, you know, con-. and he goes, I do, but, uh, this is what I think people expect from me now. Like, this is why people come to me. This is why people got, like, like my your work. Own, your own <laughs> distinguished image. He's locked himself into a, you know, kind of being typecast as a director. Yeah. And I think, you know, Wes Anderson probably went through a similar thing. People are like, we're loving your work. We're loving your work. Well, now are you going to decide to, do something completely different and risk falling out of favor with the public or with critics, mm-hmm. or are you going to just kind of keep going down the same path? Cause that's, you know, you can do it. You do it. You do it. Well, people respond well to it. Uh, I think the correct, the, in terms of artistic integrity, the correct answer is do what you feel, not do what you think people want from you. But a lot of people I think choose to do what they think people want from them because they get that's that's the box they feel they get locked how into. they can make an income stuff like that that and i think you know i think all celebrities are warped i think all celebrities are probably warped like, yeah i don't have proof for this but they don't live in reality you know people care about uh their haircuts people care about what they had for dinner people 
uh, tell them how amazing they are all the time. And they have an, a lot of them have an immense amount of money. I mean, Johnny Depp's buying islands. Like this isn't the, this isn't <laughs> Johnny the real Depp's one. not as big as he used to be either. Too no, he's not. But he's this blacklisted. Is, I heard. Oh, and that's who cares? You know, yeah. it's like you can't. Uh, people that I think sustain, they have a certain amount of fame in their life and a certain amount of money, that's going to mess you up. And it, historically, I think it has messed people up. So I think most of these people, and Wes Anderson's probably one of them, if you're in the industry and you're successful, you're making money, you're a celebrity, you have all this fame, you're given awards, people tell you you're incredible or they tell you you suck or whatever, but you're on their minds. Anybody, that's going to change them. Yeah. You know, and that was always a fear I had when I was younger. I really wanted to do features, direct features and do it full time. And I was kind of on that path. I mean, I wasn't necessarily getting anywhere with it, but that's the path I wanted to take. And I'm really glad uh, that that's not where my life has led me. Hey, I mean, as long as you're happy, that's that's what I tell people. Well, I'm never happy, but you know, <laughs> who is? So do you have any, because uh, we're getting a little pressed for time on this. No problem. Do you have any uh, personal projects you're working on right now? Yeah. That you're excited about? Yeah, I can't talk about most of them though. You you still do that like uh, what twenty four hour? Oh, we've done we've done twenty twenty four hours. We've done a forty eight hour film fest a few times, seventy two hour film fest. There's another competition that's coming up that uh, is a short film competition. I think I'm gonna put something together for. Uh, working with my buddy Ian, who um, <clears throat> is a really talented musician, so I think it's gonna be a music video narrative hybrid type of thing. Okay. And, uh, I have some other ideas that I'm not super ready to talk about. I want to do some content for YouTube, not goofy stuff, but <laughs> that's like, what I'm actually trying to get quality back in, content. I'm trying to get back into that. Cause I've been doing stand up on and off for a while and I've been doing improv and I'm trying to, I haven't done stand up for a while cause I'm trying to separate the two of them currently Gotcha. while I'm doing improv. And, uh, honestly, I feel like that's like my true calling improv. Yeah. I mean, I've never <clears> been more happier. Cause you know, That's awesome. I'm being a goofball and I'm entertaining people and you know, I'm, I'm trying to I actually try to make that a career. I'm trying to go do my five levels of improv and mm. get into their conservatory where they train you to become professional. Mm. I used to date an improv actress. Isn't it fun? <laughs> no, it was terrible. I had to go to improv every weekend and there's a lot of bad improv. You must know this. Oh, no, yeah. There's a lot of terrible There stuff. are some people that, I mean, I don't want to say, but there are some people that try. That's yeah. all I can nicely say. I think she tried. And, and I mean, to be honest, she wasn't just improv. She was a theater actress. And it was like uh, our entire life revolved. Our weekends were going to Chicago to go to auditions for her, go uh-huh. to her improv show. Anytime something wasn't, a, when it became not about her, the relationship. I did my first apart. play audition since oh, yeah? high school. I, I got the, the part. But then I had to turn it down because they wanted me to perform on dates for Second City. And I couldn't mm. do it because you can only miss so many classes. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to get back to little videos because I wanted to take some of my jokes from stand-up and kind of, you know, make a little video out of, sketch out of it. Or something. Yeah, like a sketch. Yeah, you should do it. All right. My last question. Out of all the people that volunteer for you, who's your favorite? On set? Yeah. Um, Think hard. Yeah. Well, a lot of people that work for me work with me and are some of my best friends personally. How about but the people that just like came to hang out and help you? You want me to say Eric Wong? Well, I, well, I don't want <laughs> you to say. That's a hard one. <laughs> I love them all. 
No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I love them all. I, my, that was one a of joke. Them, no, I know. But it really, I, the one thing I will say, and nobody, I, probably nobody even cares to hear this, but it is filmmaking is, it's like raising a child. It takes a village to make uh, a film. And nobody recognizes enough the efforts of everybody else that's not a director or not a yeah. cinematographer. And every time I do a project, I always say, anything that's good about this is because of everybody else. And there is some of that is is just, you know, trying to stay very humble. But a lot of it is true. It's like uh, the people that I work with and the people I have worked with and the people that I will work with in the future. It's uh, it's a blessing to have talented people on your side. Plus, you can't it, do without it, them. anytime I've helped you it was always a fun time. I don't think there was ever an issue. There was always yeah. fun on set. I mean, I still remember, you know, uh. Steve is the raccoon. Oh, <laughs> Possum the, Man. Po, was it, possum is that what he man. was? I thought yeah. he was a raccoon man. He's Possum Man. Chris wrote a song called Possum Man. Did he? I, thought, I don't know yeah. why I thought it was a raccoon. Because I remember a song about Steve. We all had being a possum. eye makeup on. Yeah, it was just kids. It's, it's weird, you know? But it's fun. But that, I, that's just one of the biggest things I would communicate is like having a community of people, even a tiny, tiny community, two or three people, one person that's willing to support I, you. Anytime I've important. helped you, I've never had, I've never felt like, unwanted once mm. like because you know i'm helping people out that actually are going to school for it and know what the fuck they're doing and i'm just kind of like a grip you know and not one person that i've ever helped you with whatever has ever it's like almost like a, a giant family that you get together for like yeah. a couple days to shoot something and i mean i, I mean, made friends i made friends from it the goal is to do that i try to be really inclusive so if people say they're interested and i can get them on something at some point um you know, try to be some things that doesn't work for it's like very focused or you're doing something kind of sensitive material and you want to, you know, keep it a small crew or whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, it should be, it's, it's social. It's a social art form. You need a lot of people to do it and it should be very inclusive. And, uh, I've been lucky enough, just a lot of my best friends that have supported, you know, there's a group, but there's a core group of people that pretty much support everything I do and are always there. Uh, Lydia, my girlfriend, Stephen Brown, who's the possum man, uh, David Gall. <laughs> I got to post that video on the Instagram. Yeah, page. that's a good one. <laughs> David Gall, who's always my cam op and one of my best friends. Um, and I'm sure there's one or two people I'm forgetting, but those three people are there for everything. And, uh, and Michelle, you know, Michelle, yeah. she works for me. She kind of runs the company pretty much. I have a very really. funny story with her. Oh yeah. The first day I met her was when we had to do the, the body makeup for Chris's music video. Yeah. And she was having such a hard time doing the eyeliner on my eye. Are you? Yeah. She's very good at eyeliner. I'm surprised. She, she was on herself, a, at least. Yeah, well, she was having a hard time putting it on me. Well, I used to be a little emo kid in high yeah. school. Oh, me too. I used so to wear makeup I all instantly the time. just, you know, I started putting the you eyeliner what you're on. Doing. And all of a sudden she goes, he's even making the face. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, it looked good. Yeah, good work. But, yeah, I would. That's, that's the last thing I would really say is just thank you to all those people that have always supported me and continue to support me. Everything I do that's good is due to them. All right. Well, Craig, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. I was, like, as soon as I started this, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking of interesting people, and you were, like, in the top list next, oh, next to, like, my teacher. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I'm trying to get on next. All, all right, right guys. teacher, be on the show. <laughs> it's an order. All right, if you like the show, make sure to leave a rating on iTunes or a review. I read all reviews on the show. Uh, I think we're also on Spotify or on Anchor, of course. And wherever you can listen. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye.